Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. My name is Jacob. I am one of the pastors here on staff and What we are talking about today as we are continuing this series, Some Assembly Required, is that we all struggle with and kind of live with just a certain level of chaos in all of our friendships and all of our relationships or a level of dysfunction and how we can improve that and how we can get better with that is through boundaries. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is how to set and keep healthy boundaries in our life. Uh, My wife and I, Anita and I, we have three boys. We have Rourke, Vaughn, and Barrett that are uh, eight, six, and two. And back when Rourke was an infant, uh, Anita had to run some errands. So Anita was leaving the house and I was keeping Rourke at the time. And at the time and the age that Rourke was, Rourke was starting to belly crawl or army crawl. And it was, you know, that mobility is a different transition in time for parents. And I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but like firstborns are hard. Firstborns are really hard. Like when your firstborn has a binky and it gets dirty or you drop it, like you're throwing that thing away, right? You're burning it, you're getting rid of it. But by the second or third kid, if it falls on the ground, you're just kind of like, ah, and you just put it back in their mouth, right? So, so that's where we were with Rourke, our firstborn. And, and so I'm keeping Rourke and uh, we're pl- I'm playing with him in his room and he's in the center of the room and I get a phone call. And I don't know if it's my ADD, but I can't uh, take a phone call without standing up and moving around. I cannot sit down on the phone. So I get the call and I stand up and I leave the room. I leave the room for maybe maybe 15 to 20 seconds. I come back in the room and there's Rourke in the corner of the room, that little rascal. Uh, he had crawled not where I had left him. And as I, I looked at him and I walk in the room, I realized that there is something in Rourke's mouth. So he had put something in his mouth and I got that pit in my stomach that a parent would get. And well, the, the pit that I got should have been, what did he eat? And I'm fearful for Rourke, but truthfully, my fear was what will Anita do to me? Uh, so um, I, I, I get a little bit closer and I realize whatever is in his mouth has an, an antenna. Um, And I I get a little bit closer and I I go to get him and I notice what he had eaten and found was a tasty cockroach. So what Rourke had put in his mouth was a cockroach and I'm starting to panic and I'm like, I gotta get this thing out of his mouth. So I try to fish it out of his mouth, but I can't get it. The only way I can get to it is if I get him to open his mouth. So I'm picking him up and I'm throwing him in the air, trying to get him to laugh. And there are bits of roaches coming out and I'm like trying to fish it out. And and it was chaos, it was chaos. And so had I not left the boundary of that room, had I not walked out, crossed that threshold, and I know as a dad, I never should have let him out of my sight, but 
if I had never crossed that boundary and gotten away from where I should have been, I wouldn't have experienced the chaos and the pain of the situation. I also would not have had to explain to Anita why Rourke wasn't hungry for dinner. He had already had a well-balanced meal. But what I know is that is exactly what boundaries are. A healthy boundary is simply a line that we draw in our lives that is the difference between experiencing pain and experiencing peace in our lives. A healthy boundary is just a line that you draw in your life that will be the difference between you experiencing pain and, or, or experiencing peace and minimizing pain. And we see this in scripture in Proverbs 25, we see the smartest, wisest person who ever lived not named Jesus, King Solomon writes this. He says in Proverbs 25, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. The word that translates from self-control, the translation is literally a spirit of restraint. It is being restrained, living within a boundary, living within something that you are responsible for. And I know we look good on a Sunday. You guys look great on a Sunday. We may look good on social media, but if we're being honest with ourselves, man, we are running at such a pace. We are burnt out. We are stretched thin. We are saying yes to all of these good things, saying no to the best things. We're flying blind, making permanent decisions based on temporary feelings. And how do we get better at that? It's with healthy boundaries and we have to get better at them. And if, if we're being honest, like I'd be the first one that would have brushed off the need for boundaries. If you had talked to me a number of years ago, I would have been the first one to go, yeah, I don't, I don't need that. That's, I'm an open book. And what I realized is when I hit a wall in my life a few years ago, I hit a wall and I found myself desperate desperate for a new way to do relationships, desperate for a new way to have a relationship with Christ, desperate for a new way of life that was more filled with peace than pain. And I found that in counseling and studying and reading, boundaries were the tool that I was missing. And what I want to do today is just simply explain and as we get into the scripture, we realize that boundaries are not only a, a, a self-help or a secular tool, that boundaries are a deeply spiritual tool, that boundaries are profoundly rooted in scripture. And through Jesus's life, he was constantly setting boundaries in his ministry. And we see this just in, in Matthew, in Matthew, we see this right before Jesus goes to a cross and dies for our sins, he sets a boundary. It says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, an olive grove, right where he went before the night, on the night that he died. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. In other words, I'm setting a boundary. I need to be alone. I need to recharge. I need to spend time with my father and I'm setting a boundary. 
boundary. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke notices this. As Jesus is recruiting his team and building his disciples, Luke says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Right after the miracle of feeding the 5,000, Jesus sets a boundary. Right after this miracle, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. This is Jesus. Jesus is kicking everyone out. Like you don't have to leave, but you can't stay here. Jesus is drawing clear lines in his ministry. And I want you to realize that boundaries are not just helpful. They're profoundly spiritual, but where do we begin? The first thing, and I just want you to, you can track along with me in the Bible app, or you can write this down. The first way for us to maintain and to keep and maintain boundaries in our lives is we have to build a fence, not a wall. Build a fence, not a wall. You know, I, I, I think this is the difference between like walls and fences. Walls are built to keep everyone out. A fence is built to keep, to let the right people in. You know, walls are built for prisons, fences are built for neighborhoods, and that's why this only works in a trusted environment. I mean, this is why we don't have the Berlin fence or the great fence of China, because we are a society and a world that does not trust openly and freely. So what are boundaries? There is an author and a clinical psychologist by the name of uh, Dr. Henry Cloud. And I would just encourage you, if you wanna go deeper with boundaries and the biblical principles behind them, you can get this book. It's called Boundaries. It is a great place to start. But what Dr. Henry Cloud says is that boundaries are like a property line. Now I am a visual learner. I mean, big time. Is anyone a visual learner? Anyone else? So for me, for the visual learners, boy, do I have a treat for you. I drew you a picture. So to explain what boundaries are, this is what Henry Cloud talks about is this idea, I know, just hold your applause. Um, This idea that boundaries are a property line that every single person in this room has a boundary, has a property line. You could go to the local courthouse, you could go to the local court, pull a deed and see that everyone has a property. Now the issue that we run into is, yes, we have a property, but we also have a bunch of neighbors. And spoiler alert, there are some crazies out there. Okay, right? We understand that neighborhoods are hard and we understand this, that what he explains is that this is a property that we own and that we manage. On this property, on your property, is everything you value. It's everything you love. It's your decisions, your choices, your treasures, your, your, your uh, decisions that you make, the friendships, everything that you value and love is on this property. Now on this property, you have two things. The first thing that you have is control. You have control of what happens on your property. Your neighbor, I mean, my neighbor is not going to tell me to paint my house purple. You have control of what happens on your property. The other thing that you have is you have freedom. 
you have the freedom to make the decisions on your property. And what I know, and seeing this play out in real time, is that this idea works without a problem. I mean, it works flawlessly as long as everyone with a property is responsible. Everyone is not responsible. We know this, you know this. There are times that we're not responsible. Our grass gets overgrown. Our leaves get blown into the neighbor's yard. And what we find out is there is this perfect picture that Paul writes in Galatians that shows the need and the necessity for boundaries. In Galatians, Paul writes this. He says, for each one should carry their own load. Paul writes, for each person should carry their own load. Another translation says that we are each responsible for our own conduct. And this may feel in contradiction to what Paul wrote just a few verses earlier. He wrote just just a few verses earlier, he had just said, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So you may be like me wondering, okay, well, which one is it? Do I carry my own responsibility and what I am in charge of, or do I shoulder the load of others and carry their load? And it's important to know the language that Paul uses. The word that Paul uses for burden translates to a weight that is so heavy that not one person should or can carry alone. So for you, what does that look like for us? This would be like a burden for us would be trauma. A burden for us would be like loss. It could be uh, a medical diagnosis. It would be trauma, something that you should not and could and cannot carry or shoulder by yourself. But When Paul says this, for each should carry their own load, the word he uses for load literally translates to a backpack that a soldier would carry into battle, which means that each person has a level of responsibility, has a pack that you carry that you are in charge of, and that is your boundary, that is your property. And that's how Paul walks us through this idea because a burden should not be carried alone, but this load and this property is something that we should manage ourselves because when people don't carry their weight is when we experience pain. I mean, when people don't shoulder an equal amount of weight, that's when we experience pain. Like when Anita and I When we first got married, man, when you first get married, there is no greater test for boundaries than when you first get married. We went from just dating each other to living together. And we went through some premarital counseling that helped us so much. Uh, It was called Marriage on the Rock by Jimmy Evans. It was a premarital counseling that we went through and we learned about a boundary that we started to apply and still apply today. We just didn't know that it was called a boundary. And so what this looks like is anytime there is a conflict in our marriage with an in-law, with one of the parents, whoever's parent it is, if there is a conflict with a parent, the person to resolve that conflict is whoever's parent it is. 
So for example, like if Anita's mom is upset, whatever it is, and whoever she's frustrated, whatever, an expectation not being met, whether it's trying to navigate, okay, whose house are we going to for dinner, for Christmas or Thanksgiving? It's an expectation not met. Anita will shoulder the responsibility of resolving that conflict. That is a boundary. And the same for me, if my parents are upset, whatever reason it is, I will resolve that issue, not Anita. And I mean, well, unless it's my dad, what we've learned as a family, if my dad has a problem, we just say, well, really, we don't have a problem, okay? We just bury it deep, deep down, really healthy. So what we realized, what we realized is this was a boundary that was so helpful and so helpful for us in our marriage because when we don't put boundaries up, we experience pain. And out of pain, we build walls instead of fences. And I just wanna encourage you, if you have a wall in your life that you have put up due to emotional or physical trauma, let me just first say, I am so sorry. What I know, if you have a wall that's built out of trauma, I, I, I wish I had an easy solution. I have a simple suggestion. It's not easy though, but you need to speak to a Christian counselor. That is your best next step. And we've, we're talking about some assembly required. There is no better place that is like shop class for tools for your relationships. It's a place that you can hone, that you can sharpen your skills and test things out and, and bounce ideas off of someone. But if you have a wall that was built out of trauma, the truth is, is no one on this stage, nothing that we say, unless we're a doctor, is going to be able to give you what you need. And what I want to encourage you to do is take that first step. If you have trauma, man, reach out to a Christian counselor. But for other walls in our lives, you can start to build a boundary today simply by building a fence and not a wall. The next thing that we can do to keep that boundary is this, is we have to be able to guard the gate. You have to be able to guard the gate. I've heard it said that the easiest thing to do is start a boundary. The hardest thing to do is to keep it. So when I say guard the gate, I don't want you to think like a bouncer. Think like a, a really aggressive concierge, I guess. Like think of someone, it's a balance of grace and truth. But Jesus says this about guarding the gate in our lives. In Matthew 7, 6, Jesus says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I know it feels a little drastic and the animal lovers are like, but my teacup chihuahua. I want you to know that Eastern ancient dogs and pigs were not like what you're thinking of. They were aggressive, they were diseased, they were gregarious, like think, don't think Airbud. think more like Stephen King's Cujo, okay? These were aggressive animals. And what Jesus is saying is stop giving the best of what you are to people that have not earned it. 
Stop giving people the best of your energy, of your time, and of your resources, resources to people that do not deserve it. That does not make you selfish. That makes you human. So I want you to find freedom in that because guarding the gate is all about access. It's all about access. And what your job is, is in your boundary, you have to, and you have to uh, evaluate and enforce. You evaluate the experiences that you have with others and then you enforce the access that they get to your life. Like if there is someone who is gossiping constantly, that is just a constant gossip and every time I'm around them, it's draining to me. I love them, but if there is someone else who is encouraging and life-giving, those two people do not get the same level of access, right? Because I am going to guard the gate and fight for relationships that give me life because boundaries are all about giving people the, your best without losing the best of yourself. So save your best for the people that have earned it. And you're, you already do this in your own life. Like this is why you have a password on your bank account. You're not going to give just free access to everyone. I mean, this, okay. Think about it this way. When you see someone that you don't know walking their dog in your neighborhood and they're about to walk past your house, do you just glance through your window and carry on your day? Absolutely not. You are watching that person like you are a federal agent. You are watching that person. Why? Because you don't know them. You don't trust them. And if that dog poops in your yard, right, that person's going missing and I'm keeping your dog. Because we have to allow a certain level of access after we evaluate the experience. Why? Because in our relationships, we will always get what we are willing to tolerate. We will always get, I will always get, and I shouldn't be surprised by getting what I am willing to tolerate. People were Jesus's mission and he never apologized for it. People were Jesus's mission and not once did he vacillate over his nose and over his boundaries. I think about, there's a, a story in the gospel of Mark that talks about a, a prominent man in the community named Jairus. And Jairus had a daughter and Jairus's daughter was dying. Jesus is in the middle of this crowd and they're all demanding things of him. They all want access to Jesus. Yet in the triage of need, there is a little sick girl that needs Jesus more than anyone. And before the miracle happens, Jesus sets a boundary. In Mark 5, it says, then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. This is like when your kids go on a field trip, there's always that one car that's like the cool car and all the kids wanna ride with the cool kids in the cool car. That's what this is. You better believe the other disciples were jealous, but Jesus did not vacillate over his nose. He didn't over explain or overshare the decision that he was making that kept him on mission of serving and loving people. And when Jesus gets to the house, 
and in the house with all the friends and family and there's commotion, Jesus looks at everyone and says, your daughter is not dying. She's simply asleep. And look, this is how they respond to Jesus. The crowd laughed at him. Free note, don't laugh at Jesus. It's not gonna end well, but it says, but he made them all leave. He forcibly kicked everyone out of the house to perform the miracle. He said, this is a boundary. I'm taking Peter, James, and John, and now I'm guarding the gate because the people that got kicked out of the room were the people that lacked the self-awareness to know that Jesus was at work. Proverbs 25, 17, Solomon writes this. He says, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and they will hate you. To which every introvert now has a new life verse, <laughs> right? What it's saying is like, man, don't overstay your welcome. It's like have the self-awareness to understand that and don't apologize for it. My, my pop-up, my grandfather, told me about how his dad would practice this. When he had people over, and this was like backcountry Tennessee, when his dad and they had friends over and they were starting to stay and it's starting to get late and it's time for everyone to go, my grandfather wouldn't say anything, my great-grandfather wouldn't say anything. He'd just walk into his room and he'd get this clock. And it was this big clock and I found, here's this picture of this clock and this clock, you would wind to set the alarm and it was loud. So he'd just go to his room, grab that clock, come out with the company and start winding that thing. And his wife would get so embarrassed and he would just take that key and just keep winding and he would just tell them, hey, you don't have to leave, but I gotta get up early. And after they left, his wife said, Ben, why do you do that? And he said, now Lottie, they ought to have enough sense to know when they gotta leave. And that'll preach because what he's saying is we have to set a boundary. We have to guard the gate to save the best of who we are. I don't need to apologize for a boundary of mine. So what does that look like practically in your life? Well, if you have a, a romantic relationship, if you're dating, if you're in the dating scene, here's what a boundary would look like, a sentence like this, of you saying, no, I'm not comfortable with that. That sentence requires no explanation. Don't you ever feel the desire or the need to explain yourself past that. No is a complete sentence. If you have, if, if you have friends, it may look like this. It is okay to say, you know what? I don't have the capacity for this conversation. I know it's important to you. Can we pick it up later when I can give it the attention it deserves? That's guarding the gate and that doesn't make you selfish, it makes you human. Now, if you have a job, if you need boundaries in your job, here's, okay, don't walk into your boss's office Monday morning and go, I'm setting a boundary, don't you ever text me past 5 p.m. Why? Because you're getting fired, okay? So what you can do is practice boundaries with people that you have control over. 
So the next time that you feel like firing off an email or a text message and it's past five o'clock, wait. Because the best way to teach someone about boundaries is to respect theirs. The best way to teach someone and to show someone boundaries is for you to respect others. The best way to show people boundaries is demonstrating your own and how clearly you communicate those is just as important as having them in the first place. And the last thing that we have to do if we are building a fence, not a wall, not a wall, we're guarding the gate and keeping our boundaries, then we have an opportunity to set the table. We have an opportunity to set the table. The table is where I get recharged. Who gets invited to the table? Man, I, like I love you, but if I just meet you at the deck after the service, you're not coming into my home if I don't know you. The table is reserved for people that I love, that give me life, that are an encouragement, that, that are, are there for me when I need them. Tables are life-giving. I mean, God describes, the, the king, Jesus describes the kingdom of God as a banquet table. Why? Because around tables is celebration. It's life change. It's, it's what Jesus's mission is, is people. That happens around a table. But the truth is, is most of us never set the table. Because of the pace of life, and we're, we're so stretched then, and we, we, we don't know what to say yes to or no to, and we're so burnt out, and we end up hurting ourselves, stuck in unhealthy, unhelpful friendships and relationships. And what I want you to know is that God loves you so much. God loves you too much for you to not experience a life of abundant, full, life-giving relationships. And if you don't have that yet, it may be because you have a wall around your heart. It may be because you don't have the most important relationship ever in the relationship with Jesus. And we see this, that it's not a wall, it's a fence. And we see this in Revelation, Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, here I am, I stand and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus wants to sit at your table. If you feel like the weight of life is too much and you have not started a relationship with the God of the universe, it's because it is too much. This is the most important relationship that you have to say yes to what happened on a cross, but you have to open the door. You could start that right here, right now. Will you bow your heads with me? If that's you here in this place and you wanna start a relationship with the God of the universe, you can do that. You can just simply pray a prayer, not out loud, just between you and God. And after the prayer, you can check on the box that I committed my life to Christ so that we can have a conversation after you pray this prayer and you can pray it and just say this. You can repeat after me just between you and God and say, dear God, 
I know that I have sinned. I ask that you forgive my sins. Come into my heart, be the leader and savior forever. And it's in the mighty, perfect and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.